0: Hi, my name is Kristen P. Ahern, and welcome to an archive episode of Sustaining Sustainability. During the summer, we usually take a break from recording new episodes, so this year, we're pulling a few of our favorites out of the archive since sustainability never takes a break. We're sharing this episode now since Brian Dingerdissen from Essential Utilities discusses the art of balancing decarbonization with affordability for all, which will be key to transitioning utilities without leaving anyone behind. Essential strategy to focus on decarbonization commitments that can be achieved today by improving their infrastructure and tying their internal bonuses to successes on ESG metrics is particularly relevant as many companies are moving towards implementing action. We hope you enjoy and find these insights useful and timely.
1: Hello, everyone and welcome to another edition of Sustaining Sustainability. I'm your host, C.B. Bhattacharya, Professor and Director of the Center for Sustainable Business at the University of Pittsburgh. Today, I'm very happy to say that our guest is Brian Dingerdissen, who is the Vice President of Investor Relations and Communications and ESG, and also the Chief of Staff to the CEO for Essential Utilities Incorporated, one of the largest publicly traded water, wastewater, and natural gas providers in the US, serving approximately 5 million people across 10 states. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. So Brian, before we dive into some bigger questions, um, could you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself, the why behind your professional journey to be where you are as Vice President, Chief of Staff, how would you define your personal purpose?
2: Sure, CB. It's a, a pleasure to be speaking with you today. M- my story is a, a bit unique, but I guess everyone's is. I've been very lucky to have joined a company really right out of, uh, of school that I've been able to grow with over time, and that company has grown. Essential Utilities, formerly called Aqua America, that is kind of in an interesting size where we're big enough to have kind of the real corporate challenges that every company faces, but also small enough where you can get your arms around it and really feel like you're affecting real change. It's been great that I've been at a company that is focused on improving the lives of the communities that we serve. And so I have really enjoyed my time at Essential Utilities, and I've had the pleasure of being able to grow from really a a junior person into a a person that uh, has real responsibilities and has had a really nice opportunity to learn on the job and continue to uh, pick up new skills and and kind of engage with more broad audiences over time. And so I've really enjoyed my time uh, at the company.
1: That's excellent, Uh, great to hear. Um, So, Continuing this focus on on purpose, uh, what would you say is the purpose of Essential Utilities today, and how has that purpose changed over time, if at all, and how does that purpose guide the work you do and what you decide not to do?
2: Yeah, I think it's a great question. The company, Essential Utilities, uh, if if you go back through Legacy, has been around for about 135 years, and for the first hundred plus years of its existence it was really just a water utility uh in southeastern pennsylvania and through several acquisitions in the 1990s it expanded into multiple states and eventually expanded into the wastewater business uh, which for a long time it, it hadn't done and then more recently in 2018 we announced that we were acquiring people's gas based out of pittsburgh and we closed that transaction in march of 2020 and that really is what the corporate journey is but i think the reasons and the why that has evolved are are important we don't think that while to to many some may say well the, the mission and the purpose keeps changing at the end of the day we're still providing natural resources for our customers and the communities we serve while also enhancing and improving the environments in the communities that we serve, and so I, I think that purpose, uh, which aligns very closely with the the mission of the company, are, are are very well understood by our employees. And at the end of the day, we really are a mission-based company. In many businesses seeing the impact of what you do may not be visible all the time, but as a water utility, as a wastewater utility, and as a gas utility, you can see that it has a real impact on the communities and customers that we serve.
1: Mm -hmm. So as you might be aware, one of the new work streams of the Center for Sustainable Business is decarbonized middle America with the goal to increasing the number of companies in the region uh, with 2030 targets that would be aligned to the Paris Accords 1.5 Celsius ambitions as a company headquartered in the area I mean what sorts of opportunities and challenges are you seeing that are unique to this region and and what does essential utilities decarbonization journey look like right now
2: yeah I think it's a great question and certainly something that we think of every day and I'll m- make a few th- Uh, Points and then maybe if I miss any of your points, we can revisit them. But so so first, uh, the company has been exploring ways to decarbonize for a long time, pre-owning the gas utility at Peoples. And so we've invested in solar fields, in the water business, uh, going back probably over 10 years at this point. Uh, We have, in the water business, committed to purchasing our power uh, from renewable sources where it is available. Uh, And we committed to that uh, three or four years ago. Uh, And then in the gas business, uh, we have committed to really investing uh, approximately $400 million a year in enhancing the gas infrastructure, largely replacing old gas mains. And through a combination of all those things I mentioned, as well as opportunities to uh, make the fleet more emission friendly, and so on, we have a commitment to reduce the emissions of the overall company by 60% uh, in 2035. And that is off of a 2019 baseline. And so we, we think that is a pretty strong commitment. The other point I will make with that is, unlike some of the company commitments that you may see others make, uh, you see a lot of companies making these net zero commitments for 2050 and so on, Uh, our commitment is based on things that we know we can do today and that we are planning to do. We do not have a commitment that is based on to be determined Uh, technologies, things like carbon capture or technology advancements that may come, but is really based on real things that we can do today. I think when you think of some of the things that we think of for our gas utility and that uh, probably impact the region are things like renewable natural gas or responsibly sourced gas, what what we'll call RSG, Uh, You see a lot of gas utilities elsewhere in the country uh, making big bets or commitments to use RNG, use RSG, use hydrogen in the systems that they have. We think there's a fine line between exploring these alternatives, which have great decarbonation benefits, but also come with potentially significant cost that could impact the communities that we serve. Uh, I'll also point out that in Pennsylvania, one of the challenges that we have is that it's really a low cost gas state. Uh, If we were to use RNG or RSG or hydrogen, and it has a higher cost than the cost of natural gas, Uh, the public utility commission really has not agreed to at this point to allow the company uh, to recover that cost and pass it through to the customers and so that ability to access energy at a low cost that meets the needs of the communities we serve is certainly important Uh, and that balance between affordability and decarbonization, I think th- there's still a lot to learn and a lot to play out there uh, as we move forward.
1: I think that's well, very, very well articulated. Uh, I just wanted, for the sake of our uh, listeners, are you able to, uh, in very plain English and in brief, just explain what what uh, RNG and RSG actually are, what they represent, and, and can consumers like myself uh, who subscribe, you know, get gas from people's um, similar to buying green energy, can I say, well, I'm going to pay extra for, for RSG?
2: Yeah, a great question. And so, so RNG is, is, is renewable natural gas, right? And you can get it multiple places, right? The most common is uh, farms, the, the cows at the farms, put off gases that can be captured, uh, and then can be used much the same way the natural gas that would be fracked for can uh, kind of be used. You can also get uh, RNG from landfills. Peoples, in fact, does that and has been doing that for several years, where they have agreements with some local landfills to get gas from six of those landfills and put it into the system. Responsibly source gas is a a, a different statement. Some might call it a bit of a marketing uh, statement, but what it really requires is that, as gas is uh, basically fracked for and provided through the various pipelines to end users like ourselves as a utility, that there are certain uh, controls in place that limit the amount of emissions through the process. Today, as a customer uh at least for hours my understanding is you really don't have access to rng but one of the things we are looking for is is there a way through really the third party marketing today to allow customers that want to to really go much the way you mentioned for kind of wind or solar uh go and and buy that rng or rsg through the process that's
1: that's very that's very good to hear Um, One more question and then uh, it'll be time to close. So environmental social governance or popularly known as ESG metrics are becoming mainstream topics for financiers, regulators, boards, investors, which we talked about before, with an ever-growing number of frameworks and initiatives to measure a company's ESG impacts and progress. Having now released your second ESG report and the first one that actually includes people's gas, How is essential navigating this complicated field and what aspects of ESG measurement and disclosure are most important to your company?
2: Yes, CB, I think it's a great question and certainly something that we spend a decent amount of time thinking about. I, I will say in my role, I wish there was a standard, when it came to ESG measurement or ESG ratings. In much the same way, the company has credit ratings where we go to Standard & Poor's and Moody's and there is a very defined criteria and all of our peers kind of do the same thing. And then anyone that wants to buy our debt knows what our credit rating is. And it's a very standard process. I wish there was a standard or a couple standards for ESG in the same way, because today it's kind of alphabet soup of ratings agencies. And engaging with all of them, keeping track of all of them, even getting all of them to return your call is really difficult and not probably the most productive use of our time. The part that I think we are doing to solve for that, this kind of issue that I'm describing is active engagement with our stakeholders. Uh, We have a proactive investor relations approach where we're constantly reaching out to shareholders offering them updates on the company. We do incorporate ESG metrics and ESG messaging into all of our investor relations activities. Uh, We have started to really educate our employee base on ESG because, while some of us probably think about it every day. uh, Some of our utility workers certainly don't, but a lot of it is things that we've done for a long time but didn't call ESG, but it's always good to better educate uh, anyone that we can on the topic. And so we we are spending a lot of time uh, telling the ESG story to various audiences because the measurements that exist today are difficult. Another aspect I will say is we have put our money where our mouth is from a leadership perspective. Uh, You'll see in our proxy, which goes out to all shareholders, that out of our uh, compensation plan, 50% of our metrics on our bonus are based on ESG-related metrics. And so uh, we are linking performance on ESG to compensation. And we think that is a a very strong uh, sign for for really everyone to show that we're actually doing this. I, I spoke earlier about the kind of a lot of companies have net zero but don't know how to get there. We're really in the let's commit to what we know we can do while continuing to explore other things. And so we are looking at other opportunities for things we can do, but we're not going to commit to them until we know how to get to them.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more, Brian. Um, and uh, we are at the close of our time. Um, fascinating conversation it was. What call to action would you make to our listeners?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think uh, first, if you're interested in essential utilities, certainly uh, happy to have further conversations. Uh, Our website, essential.co, not .com, has a lot of information, including our ESG report, which I think is a a really interesting, it's really a website. Uh, I, I do think getting educated on many of the issues that we discussed today is important for all of us. Better understanding the realities of climate change, better understanding the realities of any energy transition, and for example, the full electrification, I I think is very important. But at the end of the day, you can't be focused 100% on environmental without some aspect of social and some aspect of governance.
1: Brian Lingerdison, it was a pleasure having you on our show. Uh, Thank you for your time. Thank you, CB. And before I sign off, I do want to say that this podcast is made possible with the help of my colleagues Chris Gassman, who is Associate Director of the Center for Sustainable Business, and Danny Nye, who's Center Associate at the Center for Sustainable Business.
0: Let us know your thoughts in our podcast survey. Go to bit.ly/slash CSB pod survey. All lowercase, all one word. The link is also in the show notes. This podcast is made by the Center for Sustainable Business at the University of Pittsburgh, directed by CB Bhattacharya. It is made possible by all our member companies. To learn more about our upcoming programs or about becoming a member, please go to our website or follow us at PitcsB on all social platforms. And if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or colleague since word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. And we'll see you soon for another episode of Sustaining Sustainability.